Hey, my name's Ruben, the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. Welcome to our podcast, where you can catch up on all the messages that you might have missed, or you might want to hear again. We hope you enjoy this message. We hope it challenges you. We hope it encourages you. And we hope ultimately that it would draw you closer to Jesus. Enjoy. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no shame, no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice for every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned about the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old, sinful, uh, your old self and your former way of life, which is corrupt by deceitful desires. Instead, let the spirit of your mind renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to those in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Dear Lord, would you grant me, your servant, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hands with healing power and may miraculous signs and wonders continue to be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Well, you guys can grab a seat. Thank you, team. Now, disclaimer, that was a different version to what I've got in my sermon, so just uh, bear with me on that one. Uh, it's exciting to be with you all this morning. Um, I'm excited to be here. Last time I preached, uh, I trialed running a tablet for my sermon notes. Uh, I walked away from it for two seconds and came back to a case briefing on Fitzgerald and Muldoon, uh, which is a fantastic read, but not helpful when you're trying to keep the youth group awake. So I'm back with the old uh, pen and paper, and uh, can't go wrong, eh? But I'm excited to be with you all this morning. It's an honor of mine to be, have been asked to preach in the, uh, the series that we're doing for this reason. Uh, if you've been with us for the last month and a bit, you'll know that we've been working our way through the book of Ephesians, the letter that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus. And it's been a fantastic series so far, eh? Um, I personally, I've learned a lot through the teachings that we've had, so I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do with all of us today. When I read the scripture and the title of the message that I was given, I had goosebumps. And just a little insight into what it looks like when I prepare a message, I always start with what I like to call the questioning phase, the questioning phase. And the reason I do this is because in order for me to stand up here and confidently speak about the truth that God has revealed to me, I need to believe it for myself, right? I need to be aligned with this truth that he's given me. And so that's what I do. I, uh, I, I ask myself these questions related to the scripture and the title of the message. 
But this particular time, I, uh, I found myself getting stuck on just the title alone. For this reason, we live like Christ. For this reason, we live like Christ. I asked myself the question, do I live like Christ? Do I live my life just the way that Jesus did? And unfortunately, after a small amount of time of thinking, I had to answer the question, no. No, I, I can't say in good faith that I live my life just like Christ did. And because I answered it this way, I found myself in a wee bit of a slump, unable to move on. So what I did was I reworded the question. Instead of asking myself, do I live like Christ? I asked myself the question, do I strive to live like Christ? Am I striving in every aspect of my life to live just the way that he did? But again, unfortunately, I came back to the same conclusion, back to the same outcome. I had to answer it, no, I don't. You know, I'm still aware that there are times in my life that I'm distracted. I'm still aware there's times I fall short. I can't say that I'm striving in every aspect to live my life like Christ. And so I found myself straight back in this slump, right? And I was unable to move on with my message, and, and I did actually attempt to, but, but I just couldn't move on from it. My mind kept coming back to this conviction that I'd had. And so what I did was I reworded the question one more time. And this time, instead of asking myself, do I live like Christ, or do I strive to live like Christ, I asked myself the question, do I actually want to live like Christ? Do I desire to live the way that he did? And finally, I was able to answer the question, yes. Yes, 100% yes. I want to live my life just the way that he did. You know, I want to walk faithfully in every step I take. I want people to learn about the goodness of God through the words that I speak. I want to cast out demons. I want to heal the sick. I want to do all that stuff that Jesus did. Yes, yes, 100%. I want that for myself. And you know, as I dwelled on this line of questioning, I started to wonder why I had to reword the question so much so before I could actually answer it. And so I, I asked the Lord to, to minister to me on this point, and he did. And what he revealed to me in this moment of my preparation is something that I want everyone in this room to know before we get into today's word. And the reason for that is because in order for you to, in order for you to know how to live like Christ, in order for you to grow in your faith, you need to recognize what is restricting you from it, what is actually limiting your growth. And so what the Lord taught me in that time was this. The comfort zone is the killer of faith. The comfort zone is the killer of faith. What do I mean by this? Well, as I was asking myself these questions, I wasn't just rewording them, but I was actually lowering the threshold of the question to a point where I was now comfortable to answer it confidently, right? And I, you, know, you might think I always speak in riddles, but what I'm trying to say is that when I asked myself, do I live like Christ, the objective of the question was me. I was the answer, right? And for me, that was just too uncomfortable to hold on to. I still knew there was times I'm distracted, still knew there was times I fall short, so I pushed the objective a little further away from me. And instead of, do I live like Christ, I asked, do I strive to live like him? But still, the distance between me and that, that objective, it was still too uncomfortable. So I pushed it even further back, further into my future, into another day. And I asked myself, do I want to live like him? And now I had created a comfortable amount of space between myself and the objective that I was able to answer confidently. And this comfortable amount of space between me and the objective is what I like to call the comfort zone. So today we're going to use the scripture in Ephesians 4 and 5 
to allow the Lord to teach us how to cross over the comfort zone and pick up our objective. Because if we are to live our lives like Christ, we should not be comfortable in the world that we are walking in, right? We should not be comfortable with this world of sin. Because if we are to live our lives like Christ, uh, sorry, how do I know this? Well, Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says, we are not citizens of this world, we are citizens of heaven. I've used that verse in every sermon I've preached, so I know it's good. See, when, when Jesus walked this earth, he did not come here to be comfortable, right? He came to make a difference. He came to upset the dynamic. He came to wage war on sin and the grave, and so should we. One day, one day we will be comfortable. One day when we are in the throne room of heaven, we will be comfortable in the arms of the Father, but not today. So if you're with me, like I said, we're going to use Paul's teaching to understand what steps we need to take to cross over that comfort zone and live our lives like Christ. Sound good? Cool. So step one, be transformed by grace. Verses 17 through 20 read, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. In these first few verses, Paul is affirming to his Gentile readers that they are now a part of this new creation, right? that they are now part of God's chosen people which I'm pretty happy about myself as a Gentile. Uh, I have no Jewish heritage, and so I'm thankful that the Lord decided to include me in, uh, in his nation. Uh, you might think I'm reading a bit between the lines here, so how do I know this is true? Well, it's confirmed many times in the New Testament. For example, Colossians chapter 3, verse 11 says, In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. It's always nice when they keep us updated on the circumcision status, but we won't be getting into that today. Uh, I'm a Gentile, and you probably are too, unless you have some kind of Jewish heritage uh, in your life, but together we are all one people, one church, as we heard in Jake's message last week. Paul goes on to say that we should no longer walk like the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now, this might be confusing because I just told you that you're a Gentile. But what Paul is, is speaking to here is those who have not yet accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you might fall into this category, and I'm not trying to alarm or condemn you in any way. But what Paul is saying is that those without Jesus lack the knowledge of salvation. This lack of knowledge isn't anything to do with your education or your accomplishments or your culture. It's more saying that seeking enlightenment from the world alone is futile in the end if you have not yet received the knowledge of eternal life. You might think that's a bit harsh, but it's not. It's just the simple truth of the gospel. And thankfully, to gain this knowledge in your own life, there's no test, there's no requirements, there's no evaluation. All you need to do is ask and receive the free gift of eternal life that God has graciously given us. Gospel in 20 seconds, how good. This first part of the text is not just for non-believers either. It's for those of us who have been saved by grace as well. Even though we have been saved by grace, there will still come times in your life where you need to be constantly checking what you are seeking. Pastor Ruben spoke to us in a recent message about our priorities, and it's such a good point, I had to bring it up again. 
We must be seeking first the kingdom of God. And when that priority slips and falls, because it will, we need to raise it up again. This is what Paul is alluding to in the first part of the scripture. He's not just telling us that we no longer live like them, but teaching us to be conscious of the way that we are living. See, when Jesus walked this earth, we often tend to forget that he was a human. And we only focus on the God aspect, eh? But Jesus was a human, just like you and just like me. And when he was a child, I'm sure that he would have had ambitions and dreams and goals for himself. He would have had a priority list, you know. He would have had a comfortable path set out in his mind. But Jesus in his righteous status knew that his top priority needed to be seeking the kingdom in every moment so that he could shift his direction whenever God instructed him to. Jesus would have had a comfortable path, but he knew that if he walked that path, no one would follow him because he would have just been doing what everyone else was doing and living a life that he wasn't called to. Instead, he knew he, knew he needed to live a life fit for the kingdom, to walk the uncomfortable path, to pave the way, and people began to follow him because he was doing something different. He had a direction that they could not yet comprehend. How do I know this? Well, Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult. Only a few ever find it. If we want to live our lives like Christ, we shouldn't be walking the comfortable, the wide, the transmission galley road. We should be the ones that are bushwhacking our way through the wilderness so that those watching us from behind can follow the path we set to the kingdom. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that salvation is difficult. Salvation is simple. But living a life that grows the kingdom in a world that is corrupted by sin and temptation is tough. It's almost impossible. But do you want to know why it's not impossible? Because when Christ ascended back to heaven, he gifted to us the Holy Spirit. The tool to use, the chainsaw, the weed whacker, the machete, whatever you want to call it. The one thing that can cut through dense bush like a hot knife through butter. That which can make the impossible possible. So we must sharpen it. We must be seeking first the kingdom because this is what we are capable of as people who have been transformed by grace and no longer living like the Gentiles do. So step one, be transformed by grace. Step two, renew your life. Verses 21 to 24 read, Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. These four verses are incredible in the way that Paul explains the negative and positive sides of renewal. But what I found interesting was that he chose to focus on the mind. Why didn't he use the spirit or, or the heart or any physical characteristic for this regeneration? Well, in my studies, I came across a verse that explains it, uh, explained it perfectly to me. It's found in Romans 12, verse 2, and it says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for your life. When I asked myself those questions during my preparation, my preparation I was allowing my old self to shape the way that I thought. What this meant was my old self, whose purpose was only driven by my own personal ambitions and desires, was preventing my new self from stepping into the world that God has for me. 
Now, I really want everyone to get this because it can be a little bit of a tricky concept. As you live your life, your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, your worldly perspective, will be in a constant battle with your new self that's been created to be like Jesus. Why? Well, the reason why is because the, um, is because the only aspect of your life that can be corrupted by sin is your old self because it belongs to the world. And the devil knows this, and he understands that if you were to be completely immersed in your new self, you'd become untouchable. How do I know this? Well, James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Which is why Paul says in verse 27, Give no opportunity to the devil. So if we're in this constant battle, how do we overcome it? Well, as we read in Romans 12, we are to let God transform us into a new person by changing the way that we think. Changing the way that we think means to be intentionally shaping our thoughts to align with God's truth. To overcome this battle, we must be in tune with the spirit, uh, in tune with the spirit of truth, just as Christ was. Investing time into studying his word, consistently being in conversation through prayer, and surrounding ourselves with like-minded people. And because it's an ongoing battle, we can never let these things become stagnant. So how do we prevent this complacency? Well, when Christ ascended back to heaven, he gifted to us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who was not just a tool that we can use to cut back the wild vines of this world, but he was also the divine spirit of truth. And he resides within all of God's people. So that we can grow in our relationship with the Father, renew our minds, and live a life of true righteousness and holiness just like our Savior did. How do I know this? Well, I'm glad you asked. John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says, When he, the Spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you to the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit is the direct link between your new self and the Son of God. And it's for this reason that we actually can live like Christ, but we must not let our old self interfere. So step one, be transformed by grace. Step two, renew your life. Step three, live like Christ. Chapter five, verses one and two. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The 15th of December, 2007, was one of the greatest days of my entire life. It was the day that I turned 10 years old. And uh, in the general's household, that only really means one thing. You're old enough to go duck shooting with dad. And uh, this is a moment in my life that I had dreamed of ever since my brother, uh, my brother turned 10 a couple years earlier than me. Um, it was a moment I dreamed of. And uh, so as a, as a young 10-year-old and with this new sense of maturity... I, uh, I waited patiently for the day to come. I waited patiently, and finally, on the 3rd of May, 2008, the day was upon us. Duck shooting season was here. You know, I didn't sleep a wink that night, but I had more energy than a Duracell battery because today was the day that little Samuel became a man. But I wasn't just excited about this rite of passage I was about to walk through. I was excited because today I got to follow in the steps of the man who I wanted to be, my dad. And so that's exactly what I did. For the entire day, I followed in his exact footsteps. You know, I spent half that day just trying to figure out how he could travel so far with just one step. It was amazing. 
You know, I was tripping and stumbling and falling my way all over the place. But that didn't matter because I was doing what Dad was doing. And uh, so that's what I did for the first few years of duck shooting. I stumbled and I fell and I tripped my way through, uh, through it. And eventually, I was given a gun. A little 410 shotgun. Could only hold one in the chamber. Worst it could do to a duck was probably a nice back massage. But uh, every time I fired that pipsqueak of a cannon, Dad was right there next to me telling me how well I did. You know, I'm pretty sure that there was times that he would just like no-scope the duck out of the air as I pulled the trigger so that I could believe that I was some kind of chosen one in the duck shooting world. But in, the, in hindsight, what I've come to realize is that it was never me. Heck, I could barely lift the gun, let alone aim it at something flying past me. But what my dad was doing in those moments was enabling me to believe that I was capable of greater things. And through a comparison of those two verses and my own life, what I have come to discover is that the reason God empowers young children to imitate their parents is so that they can learn to live like the one who loves them most. My dad loved me so much, so much so that I will never need another earthly role model for the rest of my life. But through faith, I have come to learn there is someone who loves me more. And every step I take in his direction, I am amazed at how far he can take me. And the closer I get to living a life like him, the more he reveals his plan to my life so that I can believe I am capable of greater things. As I come to the end of my message and the worship team comes back up to join me, what does this third and final step across the comfort zone actually look like in our lives today? Because as nice as it is for me to say we need to live like Christ, it's often easier said than done, right? Or maybe it isn't. Recently, my wife was ministering to me. Man, I love that girl. She was ministering to me about a, a verse that she had come across in a book she'd been reading. Uh, now, by this point, Rebecca had heard my, at the start of my message about 100 times, and uh, I had just left it at an absolute cliffhanger of, or maybe it isn't. I had no idea where the Lord was taking me. But uh, in this time, Rebecca had come across a verse in her book that seemed very relevant to the message that I was preaching, and so she shared it with me. I don't think there could be a set of verses that would so perfectly explain this message, but the Lord has proven me wrong again. Galatians 5, verses 16 to 17. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature, old self, was to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants, new self. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires, these two forces are constantly fighting each other, but those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Such a good scripture. Living like Christ may not be as difficult as we think. See, while the worldly desires might try to distract you from your divine purpose, while the old self and new self might be in a constant battle with one another, while you might stumble and fall in your pursuit of Christ, let me tell you something. The corruption of this world is not your identity. The old self is fighting while nailed to the cross, and the stumbling block cannot follow you where you go. And every step you take towards Jesus moves you further from the reach of the opposition. But we're not done yet. See, when Christ ascended back to heaven, he gifted to us the Holy Spirit. And because he resides in us, he's not just a tool to use. He's not just a connection to heaven, but he's also the one who empowers us to do greater things. And so now we no longer cower from our old selves. We don't run from the enemy, but we strike back and we build this kingdom to our dying breath because that is our only objective. 
And for this reason, we live like Christ. So how do we do it? How do we do it? Well, at the start of my message, I spoke about the comfort zone. I'd asked myself a line of questions that ended in a pretty uh, convicting revelation. And as I continued my preparation, I found that my mind would often wander back to this, uh, this, revel- uh, this revelation. And I won't lie to you, it was incredibly frustrating at times. But something in me clicked when I took a long, hard look at verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Finally, it made sense to me. Let the thief no longer steal. Step one, be transformed by grace. Stop trying to live a comfortable life. Stop pursuing the things of this world, that which you were not called to, and surrender to grace. Let it be your guide in this world of sin. Rather, let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Step two, renew your life. Take action and intentionally shape your thoughts to be in tune with the spirit of truth. Take time to actually work at it. Build a stronger connection to the Father through the Holy Spirit by listening for his word and then doing something with what he reveals. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Step three, live like Christ. Walk with the objective. Remind yourself daily that you are the body of Christ. It isn't arrogant to lift yourself to that standard. It's liberating. Because it won't just benefit your own faith, it'll benefit the faith of every single person around you, as you will now have something to share with anyone in need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have empowered us to live like your son, Jesus. Lord, would you continue to teach us as we walk in this world of sin, teach us to know our capabilities because of who resides within us. And teach us how to walk the uncomfortable path so that those around us can come to know. Lord, we praise you for the sacrifice you made at the cross. We praise you that you have made us new and freed us from the chains of this world. And for this reason, Lord, we will live like your son. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you'd like any more information on our church, how to give, or maybe after today's message you'd like to talk to someone, you can find out everything you need to know on our website, which is crossroads.co.nz. Make sure you click subscribe on this podcast so you don't miss out on new content. Thanks for stopping by.